0: Hey, grateful morning, everybody, and happy Wednesday. Welcome to the Therapist Deserve Abundance podcast. As we wait for YouTube to let people know to hop on, I just want to say how grateful and thankful I am for being able to have an online space where I can connect with epic people across the country, across the globe. And also, I want to give a strong shout out to all those individuals who are showing up the boot camp. Okay. So um, my name is Dr. TK. I am a licensed clinical psychologist. I am the number one therapist business coach. And one of the things that, or the thing that I want to talk about today is how do you go from part-time private practice to full-time private practice? Because that is a question that I get a lot in the DMs on Instagram with people, even in the Dope Therapist Academy. They just really want to know what are the steps and is there any secret sauce? And so what I thought that I would do today with this particular topic is, uh, is I think somebody even like submitted it as a podcast question. So I want to be able to share with you my journey because the way that I did it is actually the way that I teach my students how to do it. And then they take that information and then make it their own. Now I do believe, let me see. I'm going to pull it up. Put put in the comment box if you can hear and see me okay. What state are you in right now? Um, because I know that some people are watching it recorded, but still, if you're watching it recorded later, still engage with me. I do go back and I comment back within like a day or two. So let me know like where you're at because I love to like, also I'm a numbers person. So I love to take stats on where people are coming from. Okay. So if you were with us on Monday, just kind of giving a recap for those of you who may be joining me for the first time is on this Monday, I actually talked about starting my practice like from scratch. Right. And like really learning how to market. And then on day two, which was yesterday, we talked about. Um, how can you start branding yourself for private practice, even though you're pre-licensed? And so I went over th- some things, especially related to mindset. Um, and that question was brought up by Jessica from California. Now, the question today is actually from Deborah. So her question was, um, right now I am stuck at being part-time. My goal is to be full-time in a year or so. And this is from Deborah. From St. Louis. Okay. So I really hope that Deborah is able to listen to this message. And my message this morning to my text community was, um, make sure that you crawl before you walk. And some people are trying to hell run sprints and marathons before they even crawl. Okay. So um, if you're new to this podcast and or my YouTube channel, I do look around the screen because I'm looking at the comment box. I'm also looking at my notes. So from the comment box so far, we have people from Texas, Missouri, Texas and Georgia, and I am in Southern California. So let's go ahead and jump into it. Um, Okay, we got New York. Hello. I'll be out there in uh, in July with my students. All right. So let me give a little historical context. I've had a private practice since 2012. When I first started my private practice, I was actually working in the juvenile facilities. I've worked in juvenile camp, juvenile hall, and then the aftercare program in the community in which I was assigned, or I'm gonna say I selected to be assigned to like my neighborhood. So I requested to specifically go back to my community because that was always my goal. And it just so happened that that was the highest population with kids going back to jail, which was like a quadrant of like Compton, Lone Beach, Watts, and like certain parts of like South Central Los Angeles. Okay. So at the time of me starting my group practice, I was working in the camp. In the camp, I was working, I'm going to say a total of 14 hours. Now that doesn't mean I was working 14 hours, but if you know anything about Southern California or just like a lot of facilities, they're not in the inner city, right? So I would, I was living in Compton at the time. I would wake up in the morning at four or five o'clock in the morning. And then I would have to be on the road before six in order to get there by eight. I would carpool from with someone. Um, and that someone actually ended up becoming one of my interns, um, later on because she kept hearing me talk about private practice in the car. Um, but that was like a year later. And so I started working only one day a week because I would work four days in the jail, right? And as you could imagine, waking up when it's dark, getting home when it's dark because we work 10-hour shifts, which means that we either get off at 6.30 or at 8 o'clock because on some day, two days a week, we would go in at 9.30 and then some days we would go in at 8.00. Um, so that we can make sure that the units are covered and then we would overlap with another group of staff that would come in the rest of the week. So we always worked Sunday through Wednesday, okay? That's very key when you start hearing about the schedule that I'm about to give you, okay? And what I would like you to do is take note on anything from what I share today that can be applied to your situation, okay? Um, and I know that some people are already in part-time practice, so I'm going to get there as well. Um, so I really want you to pay attention to even my marketing tactics and my assessment that I had to do on my business also known as quality assurance, that thing that we don't want to do, right? So as I realized that my schedule was pretty hefty, I was working Sunday through Wednesday. I did not want to have private practice on Thursday because I felt like that would be my day to rest, reset, recharge. That was also probably my day to do my errands, go get my hair done because Friday was hella crowded at the nail shop, you know, things like that. So I really just wanted to run errands and rest and sleep in that day, okay? And like clean my house, enjoy my home because I had just purchased a home. So what I chose to do is start a part-time private practice on Fridays. So over time, what I started doing is seeing people who Can see me preferably in the daytime at first on Fridays. I did not go into my private practice believing that people needed to see me from the working class in the evenings. That's a mindset block, right? Even though to some degree, that's true. At least back then when we were physically going to spaces at the end of the day, <laughs> like I just firmly believe that there will be people that can see me in the daytime. So I was seeing kids, teenage boys who was playing basketball. I got a lot of those referrals because they were dealing with anxiety on the court. I played sports, so that made them more relatable to me because they found out that I had played sports pretty much, basketball specifically, my entire life from seven until right before college. And then in college, I kind of just like played around more so, wasn't really into joining the team. You know, I was more into partying and like just hanging out at that point. And so nevertheless, that made me more brandable in terms of my personal characteristics and traits once these... Teenagers got to know me, or like young adults, right, and you know I started seeing a lot of transitional age youth because they were also in a place where they didn't know what they wanted to do. they were either in college, but they didn't you know they weren't filling academics or they didn't know if they wanted to go to college, get a job, find a trade, et cetera so I started being known for like the transitional age person for kids um, or youth. And then after I filled my caseload on Friday, I started paying attention to the referrals that I was receiving. Because if you have not listened to my previous podcast episode about four private practice offices in two years, I'm not gonna go in detail, but what ended up happening is because I went into private practice, not really taking the time to make a blueprint, a vision map plan for myself, I didn't really consider growth. I didn't really sit down and look at what growth would look like which is really important even from part-time to full-time because one of the things you can do is make the mistake of not understanding your schedule or what you want it to look like, and then you just start seeing people whenever they're available, and then your schedule's all over the place, then you may start resenting clients because you don't want to come in at that time. It can just uh, get out of control. So I knew that I had to control my schedule because I had a nine-to-five job that required a lot of me energetically with driving and being there in the jail. So I chose to build on my caseload on Fridays 1st right? Then from Friday mornings, I extended it to Friday evening. So I hope that you see I went in stages. I just didn't say I'm going all in. I was crawling. Then to like crawling fast, right? Then to pulling myself up on a table. So the third phase after filling up my Fridays is that I was noticing that a lot of teenagers, they agreed to come to therapy. The parents, you know, showed them my little first website on GoDaddy.com. And what I realized is that I had the capacity to see people on Saturday mornings, but I didn't even realize at the beginning that people wanted to do therapy on Saturdays. Like that didn't even cross my brain. Cause hell, I didn't want to, I didn't mind working on Saturdays. I just knew I didn't want to work a whole day. So a lot of these kids were playing sports in high school, which also meant that they didn't have games on Saturdays. So I said, Hmm, if I'm still seeing teenagers, because that also aligns with in terms of referrals, FYI, just for ease and grace, I was working very well with teenagers, and the way that I was marketing myself is that, um, you know, on my website, I said to parents that I work in juvenile facilities. I didn't realize it, but that my, my bio became very attractive to parents that were dealing with kids who were oppositional in the house. They just don't have a jail record, if you get me. And so I started making that part of my marketing plan. Why? Because I started doing my marketing research with people who were calling in to get their kids therapy. And I started just randomly asking with no coaching, just like this was my intuition. How did you find me? What attracted you to me? Or they would just tell me, like, yo, I was in the shared office. They said that it was a lady there that worked with difficult teens. Or I saw something you put in the lobby about who you work with because I started just doing my own research about how I can market. But that took a lot of time, which is one of the reasons why, again, I started coaching therapists because I didn't want y'all taking this day alone to be able to get to where I was 10 years ago to now, you know? And so... Over time, I built up my caseload from all day Fridays to then half Saturdays from, if at first it was like nine to 12, then I realized that I'm an early bird and people didn't mind coming in at eight o'clock because some of their kids did need to do things on Saturdays. So I, and then I needed to see the parents too. So I started my Saturday personally at eight o'clock. Cause I'm a morning bird. And then I ended initially at two and then eventually I brought that up to one. And then that was pretty much my Saturday. So that was my part-time private practice. And then the next level is I maintained that caseload for a long period of time. Again, walk, uh, crawl before you walk. So one of the things that I heavily focus on in DTA, the Dope Therapist Academy, is really understanding your schedule and really getting a sustainable schedule and not just saying, okay, boom, I filled up one day, boom, I filled up the next day, boom, I'm going full time. Hold your horses because you do want to know how you got those clients. What is the longevity in terms of patterns of how long clients stay on your caseload? Where do they come from? How are they paying? Are they coming from certain insurance panels? You should be looking at patterns from insurance panels to payments to private pay. Okay. Especially if you were one of those people who got a sliding scale, because at DTA, we teach this. I don't, I don't believe in in sliding scales whatsoever. Now I did, but that should, that I, I shouldn't be cursing in the morning, but nevertheless, it didn't work. Okay. So let me just look at my notes for a second and make sure I'm on track. So um, part-time, a few hours on Fridays, then I recognized where my referrals were coming from, from parents who wanted to see their kid on Saturdays. Um, oh, so then I also had to be familiar with the avatar, my ideal client that I wanted to serve and my ideal clients were available on Saturdays. So as I mentioned, I stayed there with that schedule all day Friday, half day Saturday for a while because I wanted to maintain it, but I also wanted to prevent burnout because you have to understand your other part of your life which for me was I wanted to relax. I wanted to enjoy life. I was making good money at the county. And um, I loved what I did at the jail, but I know that it was also draining on my time and on my energy. I would feel depleted after getting home, especially after a 40-hour work week plus drive time, right? So then I said, you know, what would happen when I left my job? Because I knew that one day I would leave. I know that I wasn't retiring from there. That was never part of my plan. So I started to just ask myself intuitive questions with no guidance, with no coaching, just sitting down. Asking myself questions. And some of those questions were, and this is the part where whether you have a nine to five or you're in just part-time and you wanna go to full-time, I would highly encourage you to walk yourself through these questions. So my questions were as follows. How do I market now? So I need to sit back and ask myself, how did I get these clients? So I was talking to other therapists. I was making sure that my clients knew that I, what the work that I was doing was good. So organically, they started referring other parents, or they started telling their kids' school about me, and then I just started getting phone calls, even from high school, saying are you taking on new patients or clients? We have kids that we see from the school counseling perspective, but they got some family stuff going on. We want to, you know, can we meet? Do you have a flyer? Then I started going to a lot of my kids' IEPs. Now let me do a disclaimer. IEPs are not reimbursable by insurance. And at that time I started off on insurance panels with a small portion of my clients paying private pay. So I decided intuitively Something was pulling me to say, if you're going to really serve the whole child, the whole system, you need to go to their IEP. And what I would do to make it billable, though, is I would have a session with their parent after the IEP or before the IEP so that, yes, I can gather information and I can also help break down what they were talking about in the IEP. You know what I'm saying? So I was covering the child, I was helping the parent, but I was also making sure that I understood, not from third party mouth, from the parents, what really was happening in that IEP so that I can help the kids from the emotional standpoint from mental health. Because as a psychologist, I also understand the assessment that, that a lot of the parents don't understand. And if the parents didn't have an advocate, but they're free and parents didn't know their rights, I would then step in and kind of advocate for the parent. Like, hold on, do you understand that? do you understand what they're saying? Like, let, can you please explain that in a different way so that the parent can understand when you say that Johnny has slow processing speed, how does that translate to him doing his math homework at home? How does that translate to him sitting in class and being able to take notes and why he can't take notes? And then he gets in trouble when he gets home because the parents are saying, where are your notes from school? And he say he don't have none. And then he pop off because he felt like the parents should understand his deficit, but he can't articulate his deficit. You know what I'm saying? Like all these things are very important and this. This is why I love working with kids because I get to work with the whole system and I actually get to see change if parents are open to change, of course. So outside of all that, right, I started recognizing that. I was getting marketing organically, word of mouth, picking up the phone and calling people back because some therapists don't like to call people back. Um, And then also just getting marketing materials, making flyers before Canva even was popping. And I just like made flyers on my computer and put them out on Vistaprint.com and I would put them in the lobby. Okay. So I just start putting myself out there. This was like the first version of like what Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn and TikTok is now was Let me get in front of these people, okay? So I hope that you get that. Put on one in the comments if you get that. You still, in a day and age of technology, you need to put yourself out there. So after I looked at how I'm marketing myself now, then I asked myself, how can I show up better and be more consistent with that? So yeah, I was doing that randomly, maybe to get a new client, but how can I make sure that my deck of flyers, stay full. How can I make sure that the therapists around me in the city know that I am taking on new clients? Do I need to go to mixers in the area to let them know that, hey, you know, I'm taking clients or I'm not taking clients, but this is what I do. This is what I see. Boom. Here's my business card, right? Make sure that you keep it, keep me in mind. And okay, you, you can see the parents. Maybe we can do some cross referrals at the time. Cause I didn't have a group practice at the time. Right? So how can I get better at my marketing tactics? Then the third thing is that I was tracking my referrals and their availability. So even though people were calling and I may not be able to see them because I start getting phone calls for adults, the parents were also asking me, can they see me? Because they noticed that they that I was relatable to them in terms of me understanding where they were coming from. I wasn't a parent at the time, but still I can have great therapeutic skills, right? With training is that they liked that they saw change in their kids. So they were like, well, can we have a family session? Can you meet with me and my, my, my husband or whatever, or my partner so that we can parent our child better. Of course. Right. And that's actually how I started seeing adults is because some of my kids parents were the real identified patient. And if you work with kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Right. And so I started tracking referrals and really asking people and keeping track on a tracking sheet of what is your availability? Because then I started developing a wait list and I have a whole YouTube video about is a waitlist okay? Yes, right? But you have to know how to do it appropriately. And I'm going to say ethically so that you're articulating the right things to the client to make sure that they understand that you're not their therapist yet. Okay. So, um, once I started recognizing that, oh, okay, people are available on Thursdays, Mondays, Tuesdays, in the daytime, in the evening, that started getting my hopes up about what is possible. For me to go full time and that, and I was really getting their availability because I wasn't available yet. But one of the myths that people, clinicians tell themselves, especially with a nine to five job and Nakia was on the, the bootcamp last night speaking about this because she was working full time in a school is that sometimes we tell ourselves that, Oh no, I can't go full time because nobody gonna want to see me in the daytime. That's a lie. I work with the working class or I take insurance so they can't see me at nine o'clock in the morning. They'll find a way. <laughs> every time I had to change my schedule with all three of those sites that I was working for in the county, from the camp to the halls, to the field, my schedule was completely different. My days of the week were completely different. Every time I moved, I never ever lost a client, but I also had time to warn my clients saying, yo, in 60 days, my job will be transferring to a different schedule. I don't have control over the schedule. This will be my schedule. How can we adjust? I want you to have first dibs on my new schedule before I open it up for new clients. What would you want? And then I'm going to put your name down on my schedule because I'm going to be presenting this to every single client this week. And whatever you put, you can't change it because if that spot is taken later, you know, we can't readjust it. I never had a client tell me no because they wanted to continue the treatment. Even if that meant that temporarily until they got their schedule together, they may have to call on the phone back then because we weren't doing no Zoom or telehealth, you know? So we would have to do maybe two phone sessions on their lunch break until they were able to work with their supervisor, maybe to change their schedule or get off an hour early or do a split shift because that's how important my clients knew how mental health was. But to me, that translated from my relationship with my clients, right? Right. And so nevertheless, after tracking my referrals and understanding the availability, I then decided to leave my job. Now, granted, if you heard my podcast episode about me having this whole panic attack and all these other things, I clearly my health took me out of my job at least six months earlier than I anticipated. So what I want to share with you um right now and this will be the last part um in terms of like part-time to f- um full-time and especially for people who have a job because I just talked about marketing piece we talk about this way more in depth with questions that you have in DTA okay but um in terms of me leaving my job some of the things that I put in place was that I reviewed my benefits okay so let me just do a check-in cuz I know a lot more people joined since the last time I checked put a two in the comment box if you're enjoying this information if it is helpful Maybe you can share it with some therapist friends because you may not have a full-time job, but somebody else might. Or you may have a full-time job, but somebody needs the marketing tactics. Please share um, my podcast with people. Or if you're watching on YouTube, I would greatly appreciate it because I want to do some very big and great things on YouTube with like trainings, even beyond open enrollment for DTA. But I need to know that people are going to be tuning in. Um, so if you could please make sure that you subscribe to the channel and if you're watching live or recorded, can you please leave a comment? Because that also tells me that you're engaged throughout certain points. And that gives me statistics about what I'm talking about and if it makes sense, if it's resonating with the listeners, okay. Or viewers. All right. So I greatly appreciate it. I've been increasing my, um, views over the last few months and I greatly appreciate it. And that's why I keep going on YouTube, by the way, because I know that you're here. so. Let's talk about this exit plan. Thank you. Thank you for the comments. OK, so I know y'all tuning in. All right. So I got 10 minutes. All right. So um I reviewed benefits. I looked at my health insurance, my dental insurance. I looked at any type of cafeteria benefits that the county gave me for free or that I had to pay for. And I asked myself, can I pay for these things on my own? Do I want to keep these? And so I have health conditions that require me to have the highest level kaiser like platinum account right now at the time the, the county was paying for this and at the time it was like 400 bucks right now it's like almost 500 but i just asked myself um, you know, is that the plan that I need? And if the answer is yes, because I need it, I'm going to buy it. Right. So then I started to just make a little spreadsheet of how much it would cost me to operate my private practice and how much is it costing me now, even part time? So I reviewed all of my benefits and I just did the numbers. Um, then I asked myself, what would I need to sacrifice temporarily if the amount was a lot more than I really anticipated? Because sometimes we don't look at the numbers until we feel threatened that we need to leave our job or we really need to leave our job and some of y'all really want to avoid and run out your job and not even he'll give a two weeks notice. That is not okay. If you even have an inkling that you want to leave your job two years from now, I need you to start looking at your numbers right now so that you can get a realistic perspective of how much money you need to start putting aside. Now, I also realized that I needed to shift my mindset instead of me looking at money going out like, oh my God, benefits going to cost me $500. I don't have money to pay that. No, I do. How many individual clients do I need to see a week? because I see them weekly to pay for my benefits. So get this, if I have to pay for medical insurance for $400, and let's just say at that time I was charging um this was 10 years ago. Let's just say if I was charging 125. I'm going to get on my calculator. So if I'm charging 125 per session, $400 divided by 125 is 3.2 clients. So let's round that up to 4. So if I see at, so if I see at least 4 clients in one week, that's paid for my medical insurance. I am going to see them at least Three to four more times in the month. So boom, my medical insurance is paid for. How much is my mortgage? How much, like, how much are all these things? Do your numbers. Then I had to make the decision, right? Now remember my conversations with my marketing tactics of availability. Let me see what actually is possible. So you have to do that, but don't think that is not possible. And then there has to be room for a leap of faith because the only way that you're going to know if people are going to come see you is if you actually make the availability, which is what Nakia talked about in the bootcamp last night, you have to make availability for them to be able to come see you, right? So also I had to look at money that was stacked or not stacked. My goal was to stack up at minimum three to six months of my housing expenses plus business expenses before I left. But of course, health kicked in, panic attack, Having nausea, you know, not nauseous in the morning. I was having tension headaches. It was really bad to the point where I had to make the decision on a seven day leave that I'm not coming back. But again, at the time I had a part time private practice. So that also showed me that if I just go all in with what I'm already doing, I'll be fine. But I have to, like Nakia talked about, hand it over to my higher power and also have faith and belief that it is going to happen. OK, so questions to ask yourself, how much does it cost to run the business and what's being covered in terms of expenses in your business? Look at the correct numbers. How are you using the money now? So one of the mistakes that a lot of clinicians make, and then they start freaking out when they leave their job, like, oh my God, I thought that I was going to be making enough and I'm not. The reason why is because you're not looking at when you have a job, you're not looking at your private practice as an entity. You're looking at it potentially as a side hustle or play money. So for example, if I had a full-time or part-time job and, I, and that job paid for all of my expenses, I'm probably not even tracking how much money I'm making $500 here, $700 here, $1,500 there. I'm just spending the money probably as it comes in, but some of you may be saving it. So, can you start taking and allocating either some or hell, for some of y'all who really need to leave your job, all of that play or side hustle money? And can you start putting it up in a savings account and acting like you're about to pay bills for your business? Does that make sense? Put a one in the comment box. They're like, oh, duh, that makes sense. Okay. That's what you need to do. Because if you don't get yourself in the habit of moving that private practice money that you see when clients pay you into a pot to then act like you gotta pay your mortgage, when you start looking at that bank account, you'll really realistically start seeing, like, oh, I'm not making enough, or I'm making more than enough. That's what a lot of clinicians realize, like, oh, I am making a good amount of money. So if I only just double down and start really tracking my numbers, charging my rate, making sure I collect my fees, asking for a rate increase from insurance companies, and then if I double my caseload now or even take some, some more clients on now because I know that I can, then I actually can make it on my own. So like I said, put up that money and act like you're paying for bills for your business. Open up a business checking account, which means that you have to have an EIN or tax ID. If you are co-mingling your money, you're not a business owner. You should not ever co-mingle your money, your personal money and your business money. How would you like it if your job starts? start dipping in your savings account and saying, we need to take your money to pay for our bills. They can't do that. So you shouldn't be doing that to your business. And it doesn't look well when you start talking to your CPA or tax person, right? Also, start developing a wait list. Now, I'm not going to talk about how you do that, but you can do it, okay? And I do have a video on it, a podcast episode on it, where it gives you some tips and then we deep dive in it in DTA when people are ready to open up a wait list, right? But I told people on my wait list, when I would be ready to open up and have more slots. So they said, I will wait. And I just helped them understand what that meant. I'm not their therapist. I'm not abandoning anybody. So still find a therapist if you need one. That's kind of like some tips right there, right? But they waited. Um, And then of course, as I mentioned earlier, it happened earlier than I anticipated. Um, So I simply just added two additional days to my part-time private practice. So with me working in the jail system at that time, when I finally left, I was working Four days one week, five days another week because we would have every other Friday off. So I just start working on uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I didn't work on Sundays. I didn't work on Monday and Tuesdays. And that would be the days, honestly, that I had other streams of income as well. So I'm not going to act like private practice was the only thing I was doing. I was teaching at three institutions. I was teaching at Southwest College and South Central, which I still have a contract with them. I just... Don't prefer to teach online, and right now, just in person doesn't look the same with the amount of students. So I'm taking a break. Um, I used to work at Argosy. I've been working there. That was my first teaching job. But then Argosy closed down. But I was working there for like a decade, and I was teaching from undergrad all the way to like dissertation chair. Um, then I was teaching also simultaneously um, at University of Phoenix. So University of Phoenix was low key my play money, where I love teaching in the undergrad and master's human services and counseling and psychology program. But I would really just get contracts there when i had availability i had energy or i had something i needed to pay i I was like allocating money but i loved teaching because those students were like i want to join your programs back then you know so they also got to see like personal development right so cool so at the end of the day i start working I, i replaced my four day shift for like 10 to 12 hours with a four day work week for private practice i was only working six hours a day In my practice, at maximum, some days, maybe four, like on Fridays and Saturdays. On Fridays, I may create a split shift. This is the benefit of having your own business. I found a nail shop right around the corner from my um, office. And so what I was doing was going to private practice from like, let's just say nine to 12. I would go grab lunch with some people in the office, lawyers and stuff, whatever. We have a potluck. And then I would go get my nails done for two to three hours. And then I might even take a nap on my couch. And then I would start seeing my teenagers around four o'clock in the evening until six. And I might see people until eight on some Fridays if I saw couples that maybe had kids and they had to find a babysitter, right? So i also reframe my brain and i start looking at the things that I had to pay for as tax write-offs as well, because that's not something that I really understood initially. So I realized that my medical insurance at the end of the year, I can turn that over to my tax person. Any type of coaching that I was receiving for marketing at that point, because I did start to invest in myself when I decided to leave my job, that was a write-off as well because it was helping me build my business. Um, Any type of expenses... You know, we wrote it off as expenses, which means that it also decreased my tax liability so that I wouldn't owe as many taxes at the end of the year. Because you do have to consider that. And then most importantly, I learned how to just keep my own books on an Excel sheet at first. And then that's when I got into Intuit QuickBooks. Um, and then I got a tax person and now I have a CPA team. Um, but again, I crawled before I walked. OK, so I hope that you've enjoyed this pop up. Before we get to the last day of the boot camp today, if you want to come to the boot camp, it's not too late. All you have to do is head over to drtk.com forward slash links right, or, or head over to Instagram and click the link in the bio, click the bootcamp, and you will automatically be added. Just make sure you request to be added to the Facebook group at least by 4.30 p.m. We will be going for 90 minutes tonight because a lot of you have still been sending me messages message via the text reminder saying, I want more information about DTA. And I told y'all I'm going all in about content um, for three days. And so I will be talking about DTA on the very last part. I will go into great detail. I will answer your questions. I will probably answer your questions before you air able to ask me the question, but I know that some people have already been asking me questions. So I said, let me get to that part tonight. And then I will be more than happy to get on that text and leave you a voice message. So um, thank you. I went to Argosy in Atlanta. Okay. Yeah. So I went to school at Argosy too, in the Bay. And then I taught at the one in Los Angeles and in the Bay for about 10 years. So you all have a prosperous day. If you are watching this now or recorded again, I would greatly appreciate it if you share this episode with at least two therapists. Have you and them subscribe to the channel. Join us in the boot camp. It is fun. Those videos will be available until Sunday along with the workbooks. So get in there and make sure that you're downloading the information. I love y'all. Have a great rest of your day. And some of y'all, or maybe all of y'all, I'll see you tonight at the boot camp. Bye.